I'm usually behind the scenes. I'm not good at this stuff, but anyway, good evening. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I celebrate recovery from alcohol, and my name is Beth. Will you, I, will you please pray with me? God, as I share our story tonight, will you calm my nerves and my fears? Please use my story to help someone who is struggling. Please allow your Holy Spirit to move in this place, comfort and encourage the right person, and allow healing and restoration to happen for those who are hurting. God, I lift up the newcomer tonight as they may feel welcomed and that they feel safe and loved in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I was born in 1981 into a family of a mom, a dad, and two older sisters who are eight and nine years older than me. We moved to California from Arkansas when I was four years old. Having sisters that much older than me was awesome for me, not so much for them. I always looked up to my sisters and wanted to hang out with them and their friends. It made me mature really fast for my age, and I was always a little more advanced than my peers with milestones of adolescence. We moved here from Arkansas, so we had southern accents, and everyone always wanted to hear us talk. My sisters were quickly popular and had lots of neighborhood friends, and I, of course, wanted to be just like them. And I was always getting in the middle of their fun and wanting to be the center of attention. My life as a little girl was normal. I was a Girl Scout. My, my middle sister played travel softball and was the star of the family. My older sister was the responsible one who always took care of things. My dad was a fireman and my mom worked for the government on a regular old eight to five job. We were just a normal family living a normal, happy life. That is what my life looked like on the outside and what in, in the world could be wrong with that. My parents loved to gamble. They would leave us at home with my grandma and go to Reno and Tahoe for the weekend. They were VIP gamblers at the casino and treated really well there, so that became their source of entertainment and subsequent addiction. One of the weekends they were gone was New Year's, and they left my teenage sisters and I home alone with one bottle of champagne that we could toast the New Year. I was six years old. My sisters let me drink that champagne that night so I wouldn't tell on them about their party. They invited their friends, and my oldest, the good sister, got so drunk, I remember her friends holding her up in the shower, fully clothed, trying to keep her awake. She threw up in every single room in the house, and when my parents got home, they said, well, I hope you learned your lesson, and that was about that. I guess they thought that our lesson had been learned from the hangovers we all had that day. Around the age of 10, my parents were involved in a Bible study, and I was able to go with them. It was in the book of Daniel about the miracles that happened to those who faithfully followed Jesus. I was fascinated and I did the whole study with them. I'd become a believer in Jesus and I wanted to go to church. My family was not involved much in church, just that Bible study. My parents both insisted that their relationship with God was personal and that church wasn't really for them, but they would sometimes watch sermons on TV and went to Bible study, but church was a little political, and I think my parents, like most people, felt judged, and we just didn't go. I wanted to go to church and found a way to get there, so I went with friends as often as I could, and I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior at the age of 10 years old. I was baptized, um, sorry. Um, I was baptized twice before high school, once in the Baptist church and once in an apostolic church. I knew I loved the Lord and he loved me, yet I was confused by religion and wanted to make doubly sure that I was saved. <laughs> when I was a freshman in high school, I was really um, enjoying having older sisters and was pretty unafraid to try anything. 
My middle sister had her own place with her son and a roommate, and I started smoking cigarettes, drinking, and getting high with her. That carried over into me getting older friends in high school and doing the same with them. I had a couple of boyfriends that became intimate with them, looking for attention and a good time, and I had very few friends my own age because they were too innocent for me. My parents had no idea I was up to any of this. I was getting good grades in school, and I was getting involved in FFA, which was a great program, and I had a curfew and never broke it. I appeared to be a good kid that they didn't worry about at all. I stopped finding ways to get to church and pretty much had walked away from seeking the Lord at this time of my life. At the age of 15, I fell in love and devoted all of my time to my boyfriend. It was sort of love at first sight relationship for me and a love-lust relationship for him. We had many breakups that would last a couple of days just to be right back together. I just turned 17 years old this summer of my senior year in high school, and I had a part-time fast food job. He wasn't working at the time. His dad used and dealt drugs and was always giving him money and sending him on his way to do whatever he wanted. We had just gotten back together from one of our three-day breakups, and I wasn't feeling good. I took a pregnancy test and found out I was pregnant. I immediately dropped to my knees crying and he picked me up and looked me into the eyes to tell me that I was going to be okay. Three months later, we were married. I was 17 and he was 19. I started my senior year of high school and he started working. We worked hard. My life was fully consumed with working, raising my kids, being a good daughter, being the best wife I could be to my husband and giving him free time to be a young guy. It was my life's mission to prove to everyone that I could be a good mom and wife at 18 years old. I did what I could. I paid our bills from day one. My husband would give me his checks to deposit and I would do the whole juggling act of choosing which bill to pay and which one to ignore. And he would spend money without even thinking about it. He would get mad when we were broke. If he couldn't do something he wanted to do, I would make sure he always had money to do the things he wanted. I would borrow money from my parents, the bills would be late, and I would have our lights go out or our vehicle repossessed. He wouldn't know any of our financial reality until it was too late. My biggest fear was that he would be unhappy if he couldn't do the things that he wanted and that he would leave, and I would be alone with two kids. So he never really knew how broke we were until it was too late, and I couldn't hide it anymore. I resented him for not knowing. I resented him for doing all of the things that he wanted to do when I didn't have the time or money to do what I wanted because I was the one taking care of everything. But I would never show that to him. I would never do anything to indicate that our marriage was in trouble. When I was 24, we decided to have another baby. At least this one was planned. I was so sick with him throughout my entire pregnancy, I really almost died. The best birth control God could ever give me for the future was being pregnant with this baby. (laughs) After I had him, I wanted a job that I could work and make money but still have time to volunteer at the school and be involved with the kids. So I sold real estate and I was able to join the PTA. I was a room mom, I coached their t-ball team and had a little baby. I knew that we could do this. I could be a successful team mom with that same picture perfect family that I always knew we were supposed to be. My fun time would come. Every single weekend, we would have people over to our house or we would go to our friend's house. We played poker, we drank, we partied all with the kids running around. This went on for years and I worked several different jobs here and there, but my priority was always my kids and my husband. 
My two older kids got involved in youth football and cheer when they were seven and eight. I was on the board for the cheer team within the first year, and my husband soon followed, and we de dedicated all of their youth years to coaching and uh, leading on the board for their team. Now I was fully committed, not only to my kids and my husband, but also this organization. Again, so busy running and going and being responsible until after dark when we could relax with a drink and hang out with, with our friends. Drinking was my way to unwind and decompress. It was my me time. Life was busy and I de developed terrible eating habits. Every meal for the most part was fast food. We ate on the go, what was cheap and what was available. I gained a ton of weight and I was feeling really depressed. I was over 220 pounds, barely in my 30s, and I decided to have gastric bypass surgery to get myself back. I was depressed and I thought I was, uh, it was because I was fat. Sure enough, with surgery, I lost a lot of weight, and I looked good, and I felt good, and I really thought that I was the life of the party and knew how to have a good time. But even skinny, I lived in fear of losing my husband. I still struggled financially. I still struggled with depression and anxiety. I was recruited to work for a nonprofit foundation. I would become an independent contractor, having the freedom to work my own schedule, but the requirement was to put on fundraising events and manage the day-to-day -day operations, donations, and logistics for the foundation. It was the most money I had made since, I, since selling real estate and I had an opportunity to do some really good in the world. What started as a plan to be four fundraising events a year turned into being some sort of an event every other week and it completely consumed my life. I loved it though. I had power, I had nearly unlimited resources from the president of the foundation and all of our events were a huge party, the party we did. I began meeting up with my husband every night at home with a handle of whiskey. I was always so stressed out for my day, the details of planning all the events, and the only way I could shut my brain off was to get so drunk that I would pass out. The events I put on were amazing, major concerts, carnivals, festivals, comedy shows, boxing events, dinners, etc. But every single event was never good enough. We had a list that was called to do better, which is a good thing to review what you could change for the next time. But to do better became the focus of my world, and I spiraled out of control, trying to reach perfection that would never come. I started to wake up in the middle of the night with terrors and night sweats, and I would be gagging and vomiting sick because my mind, I was going to be fired, and my family was gonna leave, so I just drank more and more. I would get up, shake off the cobwebs, and go to work. By noon, detox symptoms would come back with the shakes and the need for my next drink. So I would go home and have a cocktail. I, wouldn't stop, I, I would stop at the store to buy another bottle to refill the bottle that my husband and I were drinking together so he wouldn't know I was drinking before he got home. He would drink with me at night, but he didn't struggle like I did throughout the night and in the morning. He never experienced symptoms that I did of detox, and I thought I would be fine if I could just find a way to give up this job. I, would be, I wouldn't be so stressed out and I would be okay. So after a few years of this, I quit. I gave my notice, I did my last event. My only responsibility was to wrap up the event I had just completed and find a new job. The day after I finished that last event, I got totally drunk to celebrate and crashed the foundation's car into a parked car and got a DUI in the middle of the day. My husband passed by as the accident happened and watched me get arrested and then tow away my totaled car. I thought, that the, I thought that my life was over. I now had no job, my secret was out about day drinking, and my husband and my kids were so heartbroken. My husband wouldn't let me come home from jail. 
he made my mom come to pick me up and he told me over the phone that unless I were to get help, I couldn't come home. So I checked myself into rehab and I got sober. While in rehab, they reminded me of my higher power, Jesus Christ. We talked about what life would look like outside of rehab, and it was made clear that my environment had to change. When I left there, I started going to AA occasionally and had been trying to work the steps. But it was surface work, and I didn't really know how to surrender. About three months sober, I figured I now have the tools to know when I was out of control and I could drink on the weekends. I just started giving myself that permission, and then my dad passed away. It was a mess over my dad. He had been living with congestive heart failure for the past several years, and I was pretty absent because I had been so busy with my life at the foundation and with the kids' activities. I didn't have time for his problems. I was really guilty about it or I was feeling really guilty about it. And I got swept away in my drinking again, quickly worse than before, and hiding it became a game that I would play. My kids were over my drinking. My oldest son had moved out, my daughter moved away to the military, and my youngest son would sit out and watch me party and drink and try to stop me from having too many every single night. I would get so mad at him and yell at him that I was an adult. And when he was an adult like me and he had to deal with the things that I had to deal with, then he could tell me when I had enough to drink. I became a completely different person. I no longer cared about anyone or anything else. Couldn't be bothered with helping my kids with anything. And in fact, I would make them miss things that they had planned so they could drive me where I wanted to go because I was too drunk to drive. And now I'm totally selfish and expecting to be paid back for all that I had done for my family over the years. Now it was my turn for freedom. <sighs> Yet I still kept up the appearance that I was well after losing my last job because I couldn't stay sober long enough and my performance started to lack. I was at home sneaking liquor into my bedroom. I was trying to pretend that I wasn't drinking again and isolating and drinking alone. I went to the store and bought oranges to cut up and take to my son's baseball game. I was such a thoughtful mom who wanted them to stay hydrated. I had been drinking in my room most of the morning and I filled up my water bottle and took it to the game. I was cheering on my son and he turned around and told me to go home. I was acting drunk and embarrassing him. I was so mad at him. How dare he accuse me of that? I was just trying to have a good time and cheer him on. I stormed out of there, went home to my room, and had another drink. My, my husband came home from work, and he came in to tell me to go buy a breathalyzer so I could prove to my son that I was sober. Well, I was busted. I lost control of my emotions. I wanted to die because I couldn't escape my addiction. I was a horrible mother who totally embarrassed her kid, and I was about to lose the one thing I cared about for good, which was my family. My mom took me to the hospital that day and I was put in a green paper jumpsuit on a suicide hold. I prayed all night long. I pleaded with God to help me out of this life of addiction and to help me get back to myself. I ultimately surrendered to him right there in that hospital bed and I knew that on my own power, I couldn't overcome this, but by the power of Jesus Christ, he gave me hope. Yeah.
Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I was able to go home from the hospital under the careful watch of my family. I came clean about everything I was doing. We got rid of all of the alcohol in my home, which was hard for everyone. I walked into the doors of Big Valley Grace Celebrate Recovery exactly seven days after being in the hospital. I remember coming into this place and hearing the words, I'm gonna see a victory, and putting my hands up in the air and allowing the Holy Spirit just to take over inside of me. I was terrified going to the first time guest room. I didn't know anyone in there, and I was just so scared. Even though I was afraid, I shared what brought me there. I was broken, but so were the other people in that room. I really wasn't alone, and God was with me, and so was the couple who shared their experience, strength, and hope, which made me feel like I belonged. I came back the next week. I was introduced to the person who had become such a huge part of my recovery story. She was the facilitator of my room, and she told me that I was the most important person in the room that night, and it was totally up to me if I wanted to share. I did, and I felt safe. I cried, and I cried every single week for a really long time. And I kept coming back, though, because it felt good to be honest and real. Proverbs 27:17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10, two are better than one because they have good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and no one has not one another to lift him up. I knew I needed to stay busy and I knew I needed God. I couldn't do this on my own. The reason I knew is because I had tried so many times and I had failed. So I kept talking to God just like I did in the hospital bed and I just started attending church and I got a sponsor. I did everything I could to get involved. I signed up for a Bible study. I started going to a college for the first time in my life. I wasn't working, and I knew that if I was gonna stay sober, I had to be busy. So I kept coming back every Tuesday in church on Sunday. And one day I felt like God was telling me to look on the church website for a job. I was terrified to go back to work because it was only around 30 days sober, and I knew I wasn't ready to put myself in any stressful situation. I saw that the church was hiring for an admin for Celebrate Recovery. I couldn't believe it. I was qualified for this job. I was at the church where I knew I needed to be, and I was in recovery. No way could I do this. I was barely sober and thought there was just no way that I could be hired. I ignored it at first, but I kept coming back to the website and finally did apply after praying about it and talking to my sponsor and my counselor. I applied for the job at church and another one that would allow me to work from home. The job that could work from home was more money and it was from home, so I thought that would be great for me to stay sober. I just could stay in my room. So, um, I, call, I was called in for an interview at the church and I knew I had to be honest with where my life, I was in my life. I shared that I was new in recovery, but I was confident that I was on the right path and that I had been putting in the work to maintain my sobriety. I interviewed a second time with a panel of people and I cried in the interview as I was sharing what brought me to church. Seriously, who cries in an interview? I just, I don't know, it was crazy. But I told them, if I couldn't be honest here, where could I be? And I was hired having between 40 and 50 days of sobriety. I can only say, 
I can only say that God had a plan and a purpose for me in my life, and he knew exactly what I needed. As I look back now, what were they thinking? Hiring a broken alcoholic, but we trusted in God's plan and obeyed what he led us to do. 1 Peter 5.10, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered for a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. I began working at the church, going to school, attending church on the weekends, attending recovery meetings on Tuesdays and Bible study. I quickly realized I was doing too much instead of giving in and became overwhelmed, becoming overwhelmed and going back to alcohol, I called my sponsor. She told me, clear my plate, focus on my recovery. So I'm the kind of person that when I decide I'm gonna do something, I do it all in. I wanted to do the work. They kept saying I needed a step study. Well, much like today, it, it was summertime instead of wintertime, but most classes were on breaks and step studies were coming soon. I was so frustrated because I wanted to get through this as quickly as possible. As soon as the step study came open, I adjusted my set schedule, got signed up. Cool. I can check that off the list now. This had to be the slowest time of my life. I felt like it took us a while to get going in the groove of working the steps, and I thought this process was never going to end. <laughs> Pastor Scott gave a message about taking the back roads and how it has its benefits, and sometimes it's good to slow down, take the long way, and really enjoy the experience. I knew with that message that God knew, knew I needed to slow down in this process and take my time to work the steps. It took me months to complete my inventory because I was hung up on rigorous honesty and the thorough inventory. Step four was hard because um, the biggest resentment I held was against myself. God allowed me to forgive myself because he's forgiven me. His unconditional love and forgiveness worked in me and I tried, try to look at myself and others through his eyes and not my own. By doing this, I have found it easier to forgive others. My memories are not erased of the hurt and the pain that I walked through and that my family walked through. But those memories make today's reality so much more special. Today I get to embarrass my kids in fun ways, like telling them how cute and dorky they are in public. Step four was hard for me because in my mind, I didn't drink because I resented people. I drank because the day ended in why, and because I liked the way it made me feel. I struggled during this step uh, with really connecting the dots of resentments in my part. Not that I didn't want to own my part, but that I could only see my part, and I wanted to make up for it all. Step eight couldn't come soon enough. I really wanted to rush straight to the amends, but there is a reason that that isn't step five. Before I was ready to say sorry and mean it, I, need to understand, I needed to understand what my patterns of behavior were and to understand what, it, what I was really sorry for. I finished my first step study with a new outlook on my life. I made bonds in there that will not be broken. It didn't matter why we were in that room. We were there to encourage each other, to cry with each other, and to cheer each other on when we were having a hard time. We had loss and we had victory, but I completed it sober. Thank you, sisters, for your love and support. God saved my life, through, and he used Celebrate Recovery to do it. He knew that I needed to be surrounded by strong people who, overcome, who have overcome tough things and that will be in my corner no matter what. 
He has brought me a sponsor who is always honest, loving, and supportive. She doesn't judge and doesn't fix me, but shares encourage, encouragement, experience, and scripture. She prays with me and for me and my family. And God has brought me a job that I have an opportunity to help others who have similar experiences as me, and I get to praise him and serve him faithfully every day by sharing his love. He's also brought restoration between me and my husband and all three of my children. We are closer now than we've ever been. The best part of this is that this is just the beginning of my story. I'm only a year and a half into this new life and I look forward to the way that he continues to help me grow. To the newcomer, healing is possible and it begins and it begins to happen when you surrender your will over to the care of God. Allow him space to work in and through you and he will. It's okay to cry and release those emotions. You're safe here. Don't do it alone. Let us love you until you can love yourself. Get a sponsor and let them lift you up. Go to group and share. Release that ick into the room so you don't take it home with you. Eventually you will be sharing hope too. Work Work the steps, not because you're supposed to, but do it with a willing heart. Get involved. Serving, will, serving with others will help you get through those doors when you're struggling. The accountability you will share with others does come in handy and work an honest program. Being honest with yourself and be honest with God because the truth will set you free. Thank you for letting me share. There we go. We're good. Sorry, I grabbed the other mic, Ron. I, I, I flipped it on you. Hey, let's hear it one more time for Beth. Uh, she's a part of our family here, and she's around a lot. And so if her story touched your heart, I encourage you, let her know. She's here at dessert. She's here beforehand, all that kind of stuff. You can even call in the church office. And be like, Beth, thank you very much. It was awesome. Click. Uh, leave her a voicemail, whatever. Send her an email. Do anything. Blast her, man. But anyhow, um, I'm just happy to be a part of that story. I uh, just sat there and smiled. It's really cool when you see somebody come in at rock bottom from wrecking a car and having her son have to turn around and say, go home. To where she's at today is absolutely amazing. So... Um, Thank you. If you are watching online, our focus question is this, how are you working your recovery program through the holiday seasons? And so I encourage you, I know there's groups out there that get together after you watch the video, so have a great time talking about that. And then as you guys go off to group, that'll be your focus question. So now you guys know what that question is and you can prepare on that two-minute walk out to your groups and uh, be ready to share. But let's close with the serenity prayer and then we'll head off to group. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. 
taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever the next. Amen. Amen. First time guest right across the hallway. Mark and Miranda would love to meet you in there. Second time guest right up front. We'll get you guys the group. Love you guys. See you after open share. We got dessert, cake, pie, cream cheese, pie things.